The rivalry is back. For the first time in 18 years, the Rams and the Niners collide with winning records. I know this one gets you going, DeMarco yeah. Farr, especially when the stakes are like these. I hate these guys. Every time I get out of bed, when I get out of my car, my knees get stiff, I think of them. Uh, so 49er week is big to me. This all started because of a leg whip in San Francisco. I want to let you know. The Take, reason us I'm on the radio. Take us through it. Uh, just a leg whip by Kevin Gogan. So it's a rivalry. Uh, they didn't think very much of us. And then once it turned and we started getting the better of them, we didn't think much of them. And this has gone back from the 70s. So this is something you're born into. The minute you become a Ram, you automatically hate them. And the minute you become a 49er, you hate the Rams. So, love it. I'm glad the first matchup is here in the Coliseum. Get a taste of Southern California flavor in your year. Absolutely. I mean, having grown up in California, I know what Northern California and Southern California means. I know what L.A. and San Francisco means. But since becoming a member of this organization, I have not got the full dose of Rams 49ers. And I think it's high time that it came to this, if you know what I mean. Yes, it's going to be harder for the Rams to continually make the postseason to win the division, etc. when it's not just the Seahawks, but when the San Francisco 49ers are good. We saw this coming. I don't know if we saw 4-0 coming, but we saw this coming in the offseason. Now that it's here, I'm excited. Yeah. I know the fan base is too. If the ultimate goal is to win the division, get to the postseason, yes, this is an obstacle, but it's also... I think a boon to the organizations, to their fan bases, to everything that's going on in the NFC West right now, that we're playing meaningful, intense, hate-filled in some instance games in mid-October. No need to save these for January. No, this is how it should be. And the, the 49ers have been the forgotten group of the NFC West because we were talking about Seattle for a while and the Legion of Boom and then the rise of the Rams. Mm -hmm. Remember, under Harbaugh, they were great. They were the class of the NFC. Go back a few years before that with Steve Young and Joe Montana. They were the class of the NFL. Kind of fallen on hard times, went through some head coaching changes. Uh, since John Lynch has taken over, I know how competitive he is. He doesn't like being second or third or fourth. So he wants to be the, he wants to be in the top spot. So to do that, he's got to knock off the Rams. He's got to knock off Seattle. He's got a pretty good team to do it. So we'll see what happens on game day. As for that NFC West picture, the Rams playoff odds down to just 37% with the loss in Seattle combined with the 49ers win and a 4-0 beginning. Last home game for a while for the Rams. They won't be back at the Coliseum for 35 games. Back-to-back uh, -back primetime contest days in November. Or games? Uh, days or games? Days. Okay. Beg your yeah, thank you for that. It'll it'll feel like 35 games. <laughs> like, wow. It'll be 35 days. Days. I, I guess what I'm saying is... Yeah. I am reluctant to call any game in October a must win. But Why? this is but this is a must win to the fans yeah. because of the rivalry and this is a cannot lose in terms of the implications. Fair enough. Why are we so scared to say must win? Is there bad luck involved? Is uh, this like messing up a no-hitter? No, it's because if you lose you don't want to have created the perception that your season is over. Well, a, is, a must win in a literal sense yeah. means if you wake up on Monday and you're 3-3, three and three, you've got nothing to play for. Well, you know, we've been around them. Head coaches and players all feel every game is a must win. Now, they tell the media something else yeah. because they don't want to give anybody bulletin board material or something else to shoot back at you, but every game is a must win, especially coming off a loss in Seattle. Absolutely, mm -hmm. it's a must win. You have to go out there and beat San Francisco. Good news for Rams fans is that under Sean McVay, the Rams are 8-0, and unbeaten when they've had more time to rest and prepare than their opponents. They also have not suffered a three-game losing streak under McVay. 
who have the Niners played and beaten is, I think, the only indictment against them. Because when I watch them, they're great. I mean, on both sides of the football, they are firing yeah. on all cylinders. And we'll get into some of the uh, injuries that are nagging them right now. But I think the only thing you can pick out, like with the Seahawks last year, is their strength of victory. Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, those teams are combined 7-14. and 14. Not good, definitely. Um, I, I think they caught bad Jameis. We caught good Jameis, unfortunately. Uh, Cincinnati is, uh, you know, I, I think they are what they are. They're, they're a tough out. They have some good players, but they're not a very good football team. And Cleveland had a lot of hype, but... Look, you can only play the guys on your schedule, so to come out 4-0, you have to give them a lot of credit. And they absolutely handled Cincinnati. Uh, they, they absolutely handled Cleveland. So it's not like they're they're winning these games by the skin of their teeth. I mean, right. they're running away with these games. 4-0 for the first time since 1990. The Patriots, the only other unbeaten in the league. DVOA says they're historically good. So despite the opponents, that they are historically good through four games. What I kind of read from Monday Night Football was their body language. To me, it says like they're believing. Their coaching staff, their reactions, the way they even taunted Baker Mayfield and the Browns. That translates into the first order of business on Sunday being like you have to put some doubt into their mind. right? You, you have to make them sense your presence physically and emotionally and make them think maybe for the first time that this is not going to go their way. Because right now it seems like they have total buy-in in San Francisco. Absolutely. And I think it's easy to get jacked up against Cleveland because they have so much hype and it is Baker Mayfield. I think somebody pointed it out. He's got three commercials on Monday night and he hasn't done much. So it's easy to get up for guys Especially like Especially when Bosa wants to plant that yeah. flag. I mean, that's premeditated. He, he came in with that representing all of Ohio State against the former Oklahoma no doubt. quarterback. And that yeah. had to filter down. So, I mean, we'll see if that carries over. But, I mean, they do have swag and, but they, and they have a lot of confidence and it's deserved because they are playing well. This is the best run offense I've seen in San Francisco since Frank Gore was there. Mm. I mean, absolutely. I mean, every play they run in the run game, they block the right guys, the running back makes the right read, and then when they get into space, they are absolutely gone. So there's a dedication to winning football games in that fashion. I haven't seen that, like I said, since Frank Gore was their tailback. So this this will be a tough job for the Rams. They'll be shorthanded, both tackles and their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. We'll get into that in four-down territory coming up with Nick Wagoner, who covers the 49ers. How will they cover for those injuries to keep that running game uh, rolling? But I want to wrap up our first segment by talking about turnover margin. And I, I know it's cliche. I know it's not very exciting. I know it's not very deep. But the Rams at 3-2 and two have to feel fortunate to have a winning record, given the schedule they've played, with a minus-4 turnover margin. I mean, this just simply cannot continue for them to get to where they want to go. No, I've seen this before with Mike Martz, where he didn't care about turnovers. Uh, we're we're going to score enough points to win football games, and you know that works for a time. But, I mean, when you start to face good teams, turnovers will kill you. Turnovers will end games and cause you to lose games and cause you to get fired. Mm. So you have to take care of the football. You have to take better care of the football than what you're doing. Last turnover-free game for the Rams? Do you recall it off the top of your head? Last turnover-free game. Um, the divisional round against Dallas. I was going to say, it's not in 2019. Wow. Jared Goff with 10 himself, most in the NFL. Last season, he didn't throw his seventh pick until week 13. Good Lord. Now, we all know that the one that went through Gerald Everett's hands was not on Jared. But nonetheless, it's his seventh of the year. And if that one's not on him, there were plenty of other throws that, that could have been intercepted, right? Yeah. Turnover-worthy throws. So I generally think those tips and overthrows kind of come out in the wash. You escape some, 
and then you get hit with some. Oh, no and doubt. I think seven interceptions is fairly representative of the way that Jared Goff has thrown the football. Fair enough. Uh, and I, I think that's all a symptom of not being able to run it like you want to. Mm. Uh, when you have to put up you know, 68 pass attempts to stay in a football game and try to win it, that's not good. Uh, and I know a lot of people are down on the offensive line, but consider this. With all the pass attempts, and I think Jared Goff is, what, top three, top two in pass attempts this year? He's only been sacked eight times. Uh, you know, the run game, Todd Gurley... We haven't seen him a lot, but when he does carry the football, he's been effective. So it's not all just on these guys. I think the offense as a whole is still trying to come together. Speaking of Gurley, banged up. A surprise addition to the injury report this week. We'll cover that as Rams All Access continues. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and this is ESPNLA 710. You know, we try to be a connected team, and I think more than any time, you get tested when you go through a little bit of adversity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's easy when everything goes your way and, you know, you're winning games, different things like that. But I think these are great times, uh, you know, to really test our resilience. And at the end of the day, I, I do think that, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do, and we got a lot of tough people tough times don't last tough people do that was sean mcveigh monday night on the coaches show with demarco Farr. i'm jb long this is rams all access looking ahead to week six and a contest against the san francisco 49ers the rams looking for their first division win well there's plenty of adversity to go around whether it's a potential game-winning field goal that sails over the right upright and costs you a win on the road, or whether it's uh, Todd Gurley being injured this week with a uh, thigh issue and his He's status uncertain for <laughs> this weekend. Hurt. No, he can't be hurt. Absolutely not. No? no. Aqib Tlaib with his ribs, Brandon Cooks with the concussion protocol. Now, I'm sure Tlaib is banged mm. up. The way the defense has played and the way he has played in it, um, it, it's been physical for him. That doesn't surprise me. At all. You know what uh, caught me a bit off guard was how candid Sean was Monday about the issue of identity. And he's been using that word a lot in recent weeks. You've heard it. I've heard it. But when I asked him, like, maybe were we taking anything for granted on the exterior, assuming that because you went to the Super Bowl, because there are so many players back, that the identity of this group would be easy to find. And he said, yeah, I took it for granted, too. Yeah, I mean, look, when you've had it, I wouldn't say had it easy because – that saying last season was easy, and it wasn't. And the season before that was easy. No, but a lot of things had, had gone your way. The ball bounced your way quite a bit. And this year it seems to be bouncing away from you. So, you know, I think we said this before. Now we're going to figure out if you can coach. Um, if you make a million bucks, when you start with $10, that's something. But if you make a million when you start with a million, that doesn't impress me. So let's see how you get out of this. Let's see how, if you can score 35 points a game when you're replacing your center, replacing your left guard. Let's see if you can stop the run when your other best defensive tackle is not with you anymore. So all this stuff is new, and you're still 3-2. and two. You're still doing pretty good by NFL standards, but it's just not going to come as easy for you this year. And that's why worst to first was so impressive. Yeah. He started with 10, and he made a million right. in, in his first year, <laughs> right. right, in terms of turning the offense around. Right. Um. But identity is intriguing to me because I think we saw a tectonic shift in Seattle. Not just two tight ends, but at times three tight ends. More of a commitment to running on early downs. The most productive day for tight ends of the Sean McVay era, as both Everett and Higby had phenomenal performances. And this week's Rams All-Access poll question is specific to Gerald, who went for a career-high 136 receiving. 
Is that the start of something? Is that his breakout performance here early in year three? Or is it an outlier performance since it's so far above what he's achieved in this offense to date? 84% believe it's the start of something, that it's the start of him living up to his draft slot. I can agree with that. Uh, Hopefully by next all access, we'll be talking about another great performance. So, you know, it was it was one time in Seattle, and it could have been by necessity. It could have been by how Seattle was defending the rest of the the offense uh, that caused him to get open and have that that sort of production. So, if he can do it again, when San Francisco's seen it for a week, when they have a uh, a week to game plan against you, if he can somehow be effective and be that same guy, be George Kittle again everyone's trying to stop that guy, and you absolutely can't. So I hope it's the beginning of something special for Gerald Everett. He's DeMarco. I'm JB. This is Rams All Access, which is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Well, the 49ers front that they'll go against is loaded. I mean, we finally have the answer to how many first-round draft picks does it take to build a defense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Uh, they're playing with a ton of confidence. Just like the Rams, I think this is important. They get home with four, right? You got two defenses this week that have the pass rush that they don't have to blitz. They can play coverage behind it, and a lot of cases zone behind it. And Bosa is the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, deservedly so. He's a good pass rusher. I mean, absolutely. And I think they treated him the right way coming in. He was a pass rush specialist until he got his feet wet, and then they just turn him loose as the starter. Mm. Maybe that was against Cleveland, but we'll see. Out on the edge, tough. Now those wide nines, when you're rushing defensive ends to the outside of both tackles, usually the L.A. Rams under Sean McVay would run right through it with Todd Gurley. So let's see what happens this weekend. Let's see if you can actually make them pay for voiding that gap to the weak side. You know, they haven't. So far, teams haven't done it. The offensive haven't has not been able to do that. But you haven't bumped up against... Todd Gurley, and a Sean McVay offense. So I'm expecting them to make them pay for that. Is there a game plan in recent memory that comes to mind that might give fans a visual of what you're talking about? Philadelphia. Philadelphia Eagles and those wide nines. The only problem is Fletcher Cox was in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Dominating. Absolutely flattening out your your center guard. But whether it's Armstead or Buckner, I mean, yeah. th- there's talent on the defensive interior of this group as well. No doubt. Uh, Fletcher Cox is a different animal than, than Buckner. Um, if you get into a third and long situation or even a first and ten, Buckner can beat you. He's so big, so tall, so technical. Uh, but those wide nines and you leave those gaps open, they're just begging you to run the football. Now, when you say you have one of the best running backs in the game in your employ... You should make them pay for that. Does your thought on that change if Gurley can't go? Maybe. Uh, I think Malcolm Brown will be able to do it or anyone else carrying the football, uh, especially the way you're going to be able to block those guys. But I think you're going to have to. If you think you're going to drop back 35 times and try to be successful against those guys when they're put in a position to get to you, you're not going to. Mm. You're just whistling Dixie. So the only way to get them out of that is to run through it. Well, we talked about takeaways and giveaways, really, from the Rams' perspective in our first segment. And the 49ers were the absolute worst, like historically bad on defense in getting the football away last year. That has completely changed. I mean, we talk about turnover luck and how the pendulum swings. It's all the way back in Kyle Shanahan's favor. They already have more picks and more takeaways than they did all of last season, all of 2018, and they are brutally tough on opposing quarterbacks so far. They rank first in total QBR against opposing quarterbacks with a 17.2 total QBR against them. Have they 
face some substandard quarterback play? Yes. Is Jared Goff the best quarterback they will have faced to date? We believe so. That doesn't change the fact that they have been creating nightmares for opposing signal callers. No doubt. Fred Warner's good. Uh, Quan Alexander is, is as tough as Dale's in the middle. Uh, I owe Richard Sherman an apology, and I'll shake his hand on game day. Wait a I se- thought wait he a went second. to San Fran to die. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. He's the one apologizing uh, for handshakes or lack thereof this week. <laughs> no pun intended. How did you just draw that up? I will go and shake his hand. I thought leaving Seattle, he would get exposed in San Fran, and he's playing dynamite football, one of the best corners in the league. So, uh, look, that defense is loaded, and they're playing great ball right now. So, it's it's going to take all 11 on offense just to move the football and be successful. Last thing in our offensive segment, uh, because Sean McVay hinted that he might be changing his coin toss strategy. And a little backdrop on this. The Rams are the only NFL team without a first quarter touchdown. They've started all five games on defense, so that's part of the equation. But he said that maybe in an effort to jumpstart the offense, hinted they wouldn't mind taking it first and just going right on script. So I did a little study this week. Starting on defense, five games, like I said, they have three takeaways, a Cleveland punt, and a Tampa Bay touchdown. That's an overwhelming win. Right? In terms of winning the toss or deferring. Going into the half, final drive of the first half, they're plus seven net. So they've won that last drive of the second quarter by a touchdown. And then having the first drive of the third quarter five times, they're plus 20 net. Wow. Two field goals, two touchdowns, and a punt. So that means not only have they only surrendered a touchdown, seven points, on the opening drive to opponents on the game, but going into and out of the half, they're plus 27 on the season. Wow. So I don't yeah. know that you can argue against deferring because it's been the best thing that's happened to the Rams it this works. season. It works, but maybe I want to put the offense out there first. Change for change's sake, just to see if you can get that uh, touchdown off your back? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and play with the lead. And play with the lead because who knows not? what that might do for your defense as well. Next on Rams All Access. Clay Matthews, out until after the bye. He's got six sacks in five games. How will the Rams replace him? You're listening to ESPN LA 710. You know, it sucks not to have Clay there because uh, he's such an impact player. And uh, he's definitely a good role model just to look up to. And mm-hmm. uh, Playing behind him, I didn't have a problem with it at all because he's going to hopefully be in the Hall of Fame coming up. So <laughs> playing behind him wasn't a problem. So it's definitely an opportunity for me to step up. Rams outside linebacker Samson Abukam, who takes over in a starting role with Clay Matthews having to wire his jaw shut on a fluke play towards the end of week five in Seattle. Uh, DeMarco, he's been a force in the pass rush. Can they replace Matthews' six sacks through five games? No, he's been an upgrade. Uh, Let's go back to last season. Uh, Samson Abukam as the starter. Uh, Three sacks as an outside backer. You've got to be better than that. I mean... When you're an outside backer, you're put there for a reason. You're, you're the best pass rush threat they have outside of Aaron Donald. So uh, the reason they got Clay Matthews is they wanted an upgrade at that spot. So if you feel comfortable playing behind a guy that says a lot about you. So now that he's out, you're going to have to step your game up a whole lot. A whole lot. Not just be this active guy that makes tackles, full speed tackles, and hits people. you got to be a force rushing the passer as well. How about in the middle? Could I make the case that Troy Reader actually looked the part of a starter, whether or not Bryce Hager is healthy? See, this is the debate, and I know that, was it Dakota Allen? Is that his name? I forgot the kid's name already. The linebacker they had in camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last chance you guy. Uh, people loved him. Uh, the first game slow in the preseason, the last three were great, and then he got cut and people couldn't figure out why. But did you really look at Reader when he was out there? 
the guy is a guy that you can play him at middle, you can play him at weak side linebacker, he's smart enough to call the defense, and he's good on special teams. Uh, so he's a guy that seemed like he was getting ready to start the game, even though he wasn't. You know what I mean? I do. Like, you had to remind him that he's third on the depth, so... Going out there, making plays. Even when Bryce Hager went out of the game, he ran in before anybody told him to go in. The guy <laughs> is just that engaged. So I'm not surprised that he's playing this well So this, uh, this soon. Uh, Dakota, the camp linebacker that you mentioned, made his way to the Rams practice squad, unfortunately, for Los Angeles. Uh, Oakland liked him a lot, too, signed him to their active roster. How about the coverage bus? Because when it comes to the back-to-back losses, the two things that stick out are how the um, – the past defense has crumbled. I mean, they went from having allowed the fewest explosive plays in the league through three weeks to all of a sudden eight touchdown passes in two games, in two losses. It'll help having Taylor Rapp back, I think. Let him play the dime linebacker role that he's meant to play. Let Weddle have more of the uh, the all-22 look. But is that enough to get right in the back end of your defense against Garoppolo? You know, being down there, there's some confusion. Uh, they've, they've had some issues with zero coverage, no safety in the middle of the field. That's hurt them. It seems like the players don't like that sort of call. So there's a little player versus coach thing there. But then the one that got behind you in, in Seattle, uh, where it looks like uh, Marcus Peters gets beat over the top, where there's supposed to be help in the middle of the field that wasn't yeah. there. Yeah. So. That stuff on defense, when you're depending on a guy, you're trusting a guy to be there, and he's not, and you give up the touchdown, that will tear you apart. And those were the types of things that we were assured would not happen with right. Weddle now calling the defense. It's right? a little bit different when you're facing Seattle and Russell Wilson, and there's a lot going on. You might kind of forget your responsibility for a half minute, try to play, try try to be a hero versus the run, and then the ball gets behind you, so and you leave somebody hanging out the dry. Uh, but those things are correctable. Those things are easily fixable by, hey, look, I'm sorry I left you hanging out. I will be better on the next rep. And they were. You know, outside of that one, uh, Russell Wilson's, the the other touchdown pass was a miracle throw. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And guys were in position. So those big plays, those big chunk yardage give up plays by the defense are easily correctable in my opinion. 85 points allowed the last two games, both losses. Rams most allowed over a two-game span within a season since the final two games of 2007. Wow. So either way, you can blame Jared Goff's turnovers, you can blame Todd Gurley's fumbles, bad field position, uh, and Dominican Sue with a strip sack that the defense never even had a chance to stop. Whatever it is, 85 points in two games is not a winning formula nor is giving opponents the starting field position that they've surrendered in the last couple of weeks. And this is something that San Francisco has capitalized throughout their 4-0 start. They lead the NFL, DeMarco, with 11 drives beginning in plus territory, and it seemed like every time we looked up at Monday Night Football against the Browns, that was the case. Oh, no doubt. Uh, Go back to Seattle last week. You took the lead, you're up by six, the defense gives you the football, remember they were backed up, right? And Jared Goff misses that slant, that could have been a big play, right? Those are the things that keep you from winning and losing, but defensively speaking, special teams wise too, and offensively speaking, you can't let offenses set up on you in good field position, constantly. I don't care how good your defense is. Really, uh, when when you give them a short field or half the field to work with, any coordinator worth his salt is going to find a way to get points. And it puts pressure on you because you you have to play that much harder just to keep them from kicking a field goal. You know what I mean? So make them go 75 or longer to score against you. You have a chance to be successful. Speaking of full field drives, I think more than anything else, something I'll have my eye on this Sunday is how do the Rams and the 49ers finish their drives? 
Major storyline coming in for Sean McVay. They've actually been very good at capitalizing on their red zone opportunities. San Francisco was abysmal in that regard last year, but we expected that to change because they now have Garoppolo at the controls and they're healthier. However, 25th in touchdown percentage, despite having the third most opportunities. If you can bend but not break, if you can force threes instead of sevens, especially with the state of the 49ers kicking game a little bit dicey right now, that could play monumentally to your benefit in Week 6. No doubt. And I can remember two 49er touchdowns called back in the red zone for penalties. You know, one was an offensive pass interference where Juszczyk just yeah. Just knocked a guy over. Just so, like the Rams had one on what <laughs> right, should have been right. Robert Woods' touchdown right. at the Coliseum a couple weeks ago. But this was back. like, wow. I mean, you have to pretend you're going mm-hmm. out in the route. And the other one, I think, was some sort of hold. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they've got a good plan. It just hasn't been as successful. So, in the red zone with Kittle, you've got issues. And I think Goodwin, it's a shame he's in a run-first offense. I think he's an issue. I think he's a problem, especially after the catch. He's scored touchdowns his last two trips to the Coliseum, one with the Bills, one with the 49ers. Kittle, of course, uh, torched the Rams last year. Nine catches, 149, and a touchdown on his way to a tight end receiving record. But it'll look a little bit different this time around, not only because Garoppolo is getting the start at quarterback, but also because the 49ers are replacing both tackles, left and right, and the fullback that makes a lot of their running game go. As we continue on this edition of Rams All Access, it'll be four-down territory. And Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers for ESPN's NFL Nation, will cover some of the biggest storylines facing the 49ers as they try to stay atop the NFC West. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. All right, welcome back to Rams All Access. Our guest this week on four-down territory is Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers for ESPN's NFL Nation. And Nick, I'm curious, how good do you think these 49ers are? What are kind of appropriate revised expectations from 4-0? Win the West, win the NFC, win the Super Bowl. Where do you think San Francisco is at? That's that's kind of the question of the day around here. It's, it's funny because uh, if you talk to a lot of 49ers players, they, they feel like everything, every time they get a win, someone finds a way to discredit it. Uh, Richard Sherman in particular just yesterday was talking about how much he – was kind of disappointed that everyone seems to be finding ways to to knock them down. But all they can do, of course, JB, is win the games that have been put in front of them. And, and I think right now, uh, starting at 4-0, they, they go into this Rams game really looking at it as a, a real litmus test for where they are. The Rams, obviously, two-time defending division champions, obviously the NFC champions defending and so there's an opportunity here for them to kind of make a statement on just how good they are. And I personally have kind of been waiting for this game to really get a gauge on that. I think it's safe to say certainly that these Niners are better than a lot of people expected, that they're doing kind of the things that a lot of people expected them to do last year. But just how good they are in terms of being a legitimate contender, I think they're probably going to be in the mix for the playoffs as we get late into the season. But if they're going to actually make a run at winning this division, I think we're going to have a lot better idea of how realistic that is after Sunday. Nick Wagner is with us from ESPN's NFL Nation. Jimmy Garoppolo has been fine, not outstanding, but fine. I think it's the running game that's made the Niners really special. I know you agree, having read your stuff. Can they overcome, though, the loss of fullback Kyle Juszczyk for the next month? Can they overcome the absence of both starting tackles in Los Angeles this weekend? Yeah, it's funny, JB, because I think if you started this season and you were talking about the offensive players the 49ers could least afford to lose to injury, other than Jimmy Garoppolo and I would say tight end George Kittle, you would have put the two tackles right after that 
and fullback Kyle Juszczyk wouldn't have been too far behind. Now, they've done a good job of kind of covering up for the absence of Joe Staley here over the past couple of weeks. They're starting a rookie at left tackle in Justin School, who's done a pretty good job, but they've kind of covered up for that, uh, not only by sticking to the run game and having success that way, but also Jimmy Garoppolo is getting the ball out of his hands quicker than any other quarterback in the league right now. And so they're going to have a, a real tall test trying to figure out how to, to cover up for all three of those guys. And I think where it's going to really be felt is in the run game. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk does so many different things. Uh, his versatility, he can line up all over the place. Uh, you, we've seen Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, too, for, for that matter. Those those guys might might as well be optometrists because they love messing with your eyes. Some of the things <laughs> they do with you know the motions and things like that that, that get you – out of you know, kind of discombobulated a little bit as a defender, and then they can come back and, and run it, run it right down your throat. So I, I think it's going to be a, a tall task for them to kind of overcome all three of those guys. But Kyle Shanahan has done a lot of things with scheme we've seen early in this season that has really kind of made up for what they've lost in terms of overall talent. So that's going to be his challenge moving forward. Without the fullback, I don't think any of us really know what it's going to look like, JB. And so that's. There's an element of surprise that maybe could work in the Niners' favor, but there's also that lack of that established talent that could work against them as well. The matchup of optometrist head coaches. I might steal that (laughs) for this weekend. Uh, The Niners' defense has made one of the most dramatic turnarounds that I can remember. Uh, Takeaways, pass rush, it's all there all of a sudden. What do you attribute that to besides relative health? I think think you just hit on it. It's the pass rush itself. You know, they obviously have made substantial – investments in this defensive line over the last few years and particularly in this offseason that was their number one priority you know they went and they traded for and signed d ford to a big contract and a lot of people thought okay they've kind of filled that need but their plan all along was to hey we're going to double down because we're probably going to have a chance to draft nick bosa and so they were able to get bosa they were able to get ford and they believed that adding and really kind of supercharging that pass rush was going to be able to have kind of a trickle-down effect on the rest of the defense. And I think we've seen that so far. If you watch the Monday night game against Cleveland, you see a turnover. Richard Sherman gets an interception, which was basically you could give Nick Bosa an assist because he was in Baker Mayfield's face, forced him to throw it earlier than he wanted to. And Sherman was able to kind of cut off the route a little earlier than would have been expected, so he makes the interception. So I think there's a real trickle-down from that pass rush. And if you look at some of the the stats on what the Niners have done, just rushing four guys, you know, Robert Sala doesn't have to dial up blitzes anymore to create pressure, which is something that he's had to do more of than he would have liked over the last couple of years. They're just sending those front four and letting them do their thing, and it allows everybody else to kind of be in position to make more plays, and that's leading to more turnovers. It's leading to, you know, obviously they're stopping the run very well because teams are falling behind, and it's putting them in position to be able to rush the passer with a lead late in games as well. All right, last question for Nick Wagoner, who represents ESPN's NFL Nation covering the 49ers. Here's one I was not expecting we'd have to talk about. The kicking game. It was a nightmare last week. Robbie Gold missed three. I know the long snapper has been a real issue. Where does that operation stand coming into week six? Well, it's a little bit surprising, JB, that they're going to stick with what they've been doing, or at least what they did last week in terms of the kind of the battery that they're going to be using, that Garrison Sanborn is, is their third long snapper of the season. Uh, there will be a fourth when Kyle Nelson, who's their you know normal long snapper, has been serving a six-game of the rest of a suspension, six games uh, before he can come back. And, and there really has been a lot of issues. And it was kind of strange, JB, because it, it, back at the beginning of the season, they had Colin Holbo, who was their long snapper, and he was a guy who finished last season after Nelson was initially suspended. 
and did fine. And he did fine, I thought, at least at the beginning of this year. But they felt like maybe things were a little bit off in timing, so they wanted to change it. Then they signed John Kondo, who was a longtime veteran. He comes back, plays one week, and then decides, hey, you know, my heart's just not in anymore. I'm going to retire. I've had enough of this. So then they go to Sanborn. And so I think there's been a lot of changes there that they keep kind of going through. And it's one of those things that, you know, Robbie Gold is a guy who has hardly missed any kicks at all in his first two years with the Niners. And all of a sudden, he's, he's got five misses this season, uh, and they've got all kinds of issues. So, uh, you know, it hasn't really come back to bite them because a lot of their games have, have been pretty well decided. But in a game like this with the Rams, when you figure it's probably going to be close, obviously every point matters. That's not just field goals, but extra points as well. Four important questions, four really good answers from Nick Wagoner. We appreciate you stopping by and look forward to seeing you this weekend. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, JB. And Rams All Access is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. And now let's bring DeMarco far into the conversation. Uh, thoughts, reactions to what Nick just told us about the state of the 49ers? Uh, don't you dare use optometrists this week. <laughs> don't you dare. Absolutely. But right on point, man. I mean, uh, a lot of debate, a lot of talk about San Francisco in the offseason about how good are they going to be? How good are they? And all this type of stuff. And I, I think we tried to warn people. They are loaded. They have talent. Um, all they're missing is a quarterback, and it seems like they have that in Garoppolo. So uh, I'm not surprised they're 4-0. They're undefeated so far this season. How about how disruptive can the loss of a fullback and a right tackle, in addition to already being down Joe Staley, for one of the league's best running games yeah. on a short week? Look, I think we all respect Kyle's ability to game it up. But... That's quite an alteration from where they were in their first four contests. Well, the fullback, check is tough, and watching San Francisco 49er film, I don't know what it was like for you this week, but you have to watch each and every play three times because there's so much going on, especially because of him and then Kittle as well. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt that he's, that he's injured. That, that bothers me. I hate when good players get hurt, but I'm glad he's not playing this weekend. So it might make it a little bit easier for the Rams to stop the run. But, you know, he was everything to them in the run game. He's everything in that offense. So it, it'll be tough to try to figure out, uh, to, to, to try to move the football without him. Uh, I saw the fourth quarter of Cleveland um, last week without him, and you see them trying to do – a lot of the same things with the game in hand already. With the game yeah. in hand, uh, without him, um, and it's it's different. But that was just in that game. You lost him after three quarters. So after a week, uh, you'd have to think that Shanahan's going to come up with something. And they've done it largely with tight ends. Ross Dwelly would be an option. Labine Toilolo at six eight is not really a guy that you would want leading your running game. But Kittle can certainly do it. But either way, it subtracts a tight end from the equation who already had his role in Kyle Shanahan's. Uh, offense and despite auditioning a handful of fullbacks for that role midweek it sounds like they're just going to go as is which you know for a month-long injury I can understand why they're doing that but still I don't think it's ideal for uh, an offense that's been predicated on run first downhill and then all the play action stuff that we've seen from McVay and Shanahan alike that comes off of it oh no doubt it's not just a plug-and-play offense Uh, replacing that guy is not going to be easy and you can do it with tight ends but you don't have the same oomph when he's leading up to linebackers or kicking out defensive ends. It's just not the same. And then uh, you don't have the same deception when he all of a sudden bluffs you and goes out for a pass. So it's a little bit different. It gives the defense a little bit more of an edge or an edge against the 49ers offense. But still, those running backs are good. If they get a crease, they're gone. You saw Brita. First play of the game, he's off to the races and you're not going to get him. So uh, even without 
their Swiss Army knife at fullback, you still have to contend with some pretty good backs behind them. Uh, Breida, an 83-yard touchdown home run on their first play from scrimmage, hit 22.3 miles per hour, oh the God. fastest of any ball carrier over the past three years. Hard to believe he went undrafted in a very talented class of 2017 for running backs. That's funny. 23 miles an hour. That means he would have beat me here for traffic. Ah, he would have ran right past me. Nicely done. <laughs> Final segment of Rams All Access around the way. Hey, AFC, can we get a little help here, please? We'll see if there are any AFC teams capable of knocking off NFC foes, including the Seattle Seahawks, as we go around not just the division, but the conference as well on this edition of Rams All Access on on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access, brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. Hey, AFC. <laughs> Little help, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Little help. No one's going to help us. <laughs> you got to help yourself. I mean, when you do fall out of first place, it's funny how that feels, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like you're getting help from anywhere. The Browns losing in poor fashion to the 49ers. Now they'll try it hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe desperation mode is what snaps Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield out of it. Uh, but how about that matchup? Wilson's 12 touchdown passes the most without a pick through five team games in NFL history. According to Elias, Mayfield's eight interceptions this season lead the NFL, and since his debut last season, no one has thrown more picks than Baker. I, I bet he comes out of that game with two more. I really do. Uh, and Russell Wilson is just a, a genius. He's he's an absolute nightmare. Who would you vote for for MVP right now? Probably Russell Wilson. You take him over Mahomes? Based on that game we just saw. I was going to ask, is that yeah. recency bias because Mahomes lost at home on Sunday night and Russell was... I Almost mean, perfect. Kansas City's loaded. They got a good game plan. I mean, look, Seattle's with him, offensively speaking. Even if the play is dead, it's not dead. He can still keep the darn thing alive. You saw it live. Moving left, you flipped it to the corner of the end zone and got a touchdown out of it. Wow. I mean, as of right now, he'd be my MVP. I mean, this is why I kept telling people, do not discount or forget about Seattle. Last season when the Rams are streaking to the Super Bowl. Don't forget about Seattle. This team isn't going anywhere because of that guy. I mean, even though the Rams won both last year, you remember how they both went down to the last drive, and you're basically a coin flip away from winning both, losing both. And then again, that was the case uh, against the Seahawks at CenturyLink last week. Like, yes, the Rams are about eight inches away from being four and one, and a lot of these narratives not being as prominent as they are. But I'm with you. The Seahawks are a good team, and I think they're going to get better. Oh, no doubt. Because I think they've yeah. got some rookies in key roles who are going to start to— growing. Exactly. And yeah. then getting Jaron Reed back in the middle of your defense. It makes you even more dangerous that's like That's like pulling off a free trade at the deadline here no in October doubt. when he comes back. Uh, what was the game up there in Seattle? Was it 42-7? You know, when the Rams stomped the, the Seahawks oh, up there? Oh, 2017 when was they took 17? the torch. Yeah, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't officially win the division. They had to go to Tennessee to get it done. But you knew right then and there it was the Rams. Uh, but that game should have been 90 to nothing, you know what I mean, because of Russell Wilson. So uh, they're not going anywhere. Um, and San Francisco, we'll see what they're all about this weekend. And at some point, I, I fully expect the Arizona Cardinals to, I guess, pick up steam. You know, Kyler Murray, every rep he takes, the better he's going to get. He's already a nightmare. Let's go down the NFC standings then, because the Rams' playoff odds have fallen all the way down to 37%. 49ers at the top 4-0. you got a head-to-head -head opportunity. Take care of that yourself. New Orleans, only loss 
here in Los Angeles against the Rams. They go to Jacksonville this week. So there's another. Wow. AFC, are you there? Wow. What AFC. Do you make of Jacksonville? Are you believing in the uh, the mustache, the Fu Menchu? I mean, my, my thought on Jacksonville, unfortunately, has to do with Jalen Ramsey, which is if you're contributing your best, if you're playing at a Pro Bowl level, you might be onto something with this team. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe they get the victory. Who knows? But Teddy Bridgewater, look, he's been sitting behind Breeze for a while, and he's how about if I give you these three? Go New ahead. Orleans at Jacksonville, yeah. Dallas at the Jets with Sam Darnold, or Seattle at Cleveland. Which one of those are you most confident in the AFC home team to win? Dallas is going to stomp New York. Yeah. You what was the other one? You think that's a good get right game for the Cowboys coming off back to back losses? Absolutely. I think the Jets are flailing right now. What was the other game you Seattle mentioned? Seattle with the game in hand over the Rams, plus the head to head at Cleveland, and then New Orleans at Jacksonville. Wow. I guess your only hope is Jacksonville. Yeah. I, I think Seattle is, Seattle wipes the floor with, uh, with Cleveland. And um, yeah, I, I think Dallas is just too strong for the Jets up front. Also ahead of the Rams right now, Green Bay looking great after a win in Dallas, four and one. Uh, they host two one and one Detroit on Monday night, so a matchup of two one loss NFC teams. One of those, either way it goes, you'll take it. But yeah. you would obviously be rooting for the Lions. Where is there. that game? Uh, in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, Lions coming off a bye. Green Bay. Yeah. Um, Aaron then, Rodgers doesn't lose at home. And then the, the other three and two team, Chicago, three and two. They've got a bye. The Rams still have a home head-to-head game against them. Minnesota hosting Philly, 3-2. and two. Someone's got to take that L. Uh, that's the game that some see, if not Rams 49ers, as the quote-unquote game of the week in the league. I agree with that. That's a tough matchup. If we weren't you know, if we weren't calling that game, that's one I would be set up in front of the TV to watch. That's mm. going to be fun. Yeah, that's a brutal game there. But first and foremost, it's rivalry week and the biggest stakes between the Niners and the Rams since they've come back to Los Angeles. Well, make your name for yourself. And we heard uh, during the promos when people say, you know, whose house, Rams house. If Aaron Donald says it's my house, are you going to argue? No. Well, make it your house again. Make that a pet of hell for the 49ers. If you want to get this rivalry started, it's probably going to start with him. I mean, it'll be Garoppolo quarterbacking, but can he have a performance that in any way approaches what he did at Levi's Stadium? No doubt. Four sack, strip, fumble, recovery. I mean, one of the best defensive performances we've ever seen. That might be the moment where Aaron Donald arrives in 2019. Give Garoppolo a high five like he did Breeze. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pre-game coverage starts three hours before kick, live from the Coliseum on Sunday. It's week six, San Francisco and Los Angeles for DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. This is ESPN LA 710.